0: Hello, welcome to my podcast, Momentum Mori, thank you for being here today. In today's episode, it is my pleasure to have Dr. Liz Hart, the faculty member of Idaho State University, to talk about her research on grief and loss counseling. Welcome to my podcast, and thank you for being here today. Would you mind telling a bit about yourself to our audience?
1: Sure, I'm Liz Horn and I'm a faculty member at Idaho State University. Um, My research interests uh, relate to grief and loss counseling.
0: Uh, In your own words, what does the phrase uh, grief and loss counseling mean to you?
1: Well, that's a good question. I mean, (laughs) since I study grief and loss, to me, almost everything has an element of grief and loss in it. So when I think about grief and loss, certainly, you know, the big thing that comes to mind is death, um, loss through death. But there's also um, there are a million different losses that we have every day. So in every element of change, there's loss. And so when I think about grief and loss counseling, I really just think about all kinds of counseling, because in that regard, um, all of our clients that, that come to us, are experiencing some type of, of loss and, and, and the grief of that loss. Um, but having said that, um, I do have additional training related um, to grief, the conceptualization of grief.
0: With that being said, police also have the grief counseling training and learn how to work with people suffered as small losses as well as losses to death. Notice that you said you're uh, studying in grief and loss and it is everything in your life. So what sparked your interest in the field of grief and loss counseling?
1: That is another interesting question. Um, I don't have the typical story that many of my peers do that are attracted to grief and loss. But my folks uh, early on in my life, I noticed that they handled death differently than other people um I grew up with a father who continues to say that he's never gonna die um and he uh, at one point yeah at one point he um was sick and in the hospital he said something like you know I, I feel like I've just I've opened a case of kryptonite or something this is so strange I'm not you know I don't feel well um so he is a is a physicist and so has a very logical brain, but in this one area had this extremely illogical reaction. Um, and so it became kind of a joke within our family that that he would never die. And he, he hasn't proven himself wrong yet. He's still alive. Um, I, I just became curious by that because my peers, my friends, our family friends, all dealt with tragedies in a different way. And I think that that... I think all of those things combined sparked me to, um, to just be curious. this um,
0: also pointed out that it is not just curiosity, but her interest in grief and loss counseling is also driven by the fear of death.
1: And along those same lines, you know, having uh, this father who swears he's not going to die, um, in some regards, also, I, I guess it it. it as a child made me fear death a bit, that that was something to be feared. And from that, again, maybe wanting to learn more about it to lessen some of that fear.
0: I have a similar spark of interest from the way my parents handled death. My mom encountered a lot of stress when dealing with death. As a child, it is hard for me to learn the method of handling my own emotions when grief and loss appear. Therefore, it sparks my interest in learning more about it. I want to be a strong support for my mom while being able to process my own emotions. I know that you're um you have written some articles on like how to develop a curriculum and how is the trend in current like status of the American deaf education. Would you mind talking a little bit more about that?
1: Sure. Um, So there are a few pieces to this. So um, I guess the the first thing, it's it's a little serendipitous that we're talking about this today. Um, I'm currently on a task force um, from one of the divisions of the American Counseling Association, the Association for um, Adult Development and Aging. We've put together a task force that is um, tasked, I guess that's... (laughs) there's a reason it's called a task force. Um, We're tasked with um, putting together uh, the grief and loss competencies uh, for the profession. So we're kind of um, in the process of trying to uncover what are the curricular elements that need to be included across counseling programs, or what are the things that grief and loss counselors need to be aware of and need to know, and how do they need to practice in order to, to seek out competency.
0: Talking about curriculum, many people realize that it is quite a personal topic to focus. I wonder how the curriculum is affected by the common worry.
1: You know, I think part of it is even, even beyond grief and loss counseling or, or grief and loss, I think I think that the way I'm thinking of your question is really just establishing relationships. So if I don't know this about your father, I wouldn't broach the subject. I wouldn't know to ask. But if I take the time to get to know you, and if I take the time to create an environment in which you feel safe sharing those kinds of things, um, then I can I can more readily help, or I can um, I can then allow that space to be a place where you feel comfortable in sharing those really deeply personal kinds of experiences. So I think even beyond talking about grief and loss, I, I think it, it, the fundamental piece of that is just in creating relationships that feel safe and that feel, um, where it feels like your teacher or your counselor has a genuine interest in you and wants to know those things about you. Yeah. I think that's where I'd start.
0: As we talk a little more on the reason for building relationship between counselor and patients, Liz mentioned that everyone has their own unique ways to cope with their emotions, and she also introduced the concept of natural experience and expressions.
1: The fact that people grieve so differently, um, and, and that I think is one of the most fundamental things that people need to know about grief and loss. Is that, and you hear this all the time, you know, we all do this differently and no one, there's not a right way to grieve. And people say that, and, it, and it's true, um, but I think it's harder to accept in practice. So I can say to you, you know, everybody has a, a different, and I, the terms that we use in, in my field are uh, natural experience and expression of grief. So everyone has a different natural experience and expression. And the idea is if they're allowed their natural experience and expression, so whatever's coming up for them and in whatever way they want to express it, they're allowed to do that without judgment um, or without others trying to tell them, no, you can't do it that way. Um, Then they'll be able to adapt to their loss. Um,
0: However, this also points out the possible problem that affects the effectiveness of counseling.
1: The problem comes in where we really don't have a lot of opportunities to experience that, have that natural experience and expression. Because everybody has advice about how you should do this or you should do that or you shouldn't do this. Um, When in fact, there's not a right or wrong way. Um, it really just is about what is happening naturally for you.
0: During the research process, I have come across this term, adaptive greeting styles. I'm interested to learn more about the concept behind it.
1: Sure. So this is my favorite way to conceptualize grief and grieving and to, and it speaks to this point that you're talking about in terms of how we all do it differently. Um, so in the counseling field, and I'm sorry, I just always am talking counseling because that's what I do. Um, we for decades, um, centuries maybe have had what I'll call an affective bias. And what I mean by it's a fancy way to say we wanted to make people cry, I guess. We we felt like my profession thought that grief counseling was all about you had to cry, you had to emote, and the, the more emotion that you showed, the better you were healing and and how good that is. And for some people, that's true. For some people, um, they grieve in a very feeling or affective way. They, tears are it's very important that they're able to emote and feel and express those feelings with, with other people. Um, and then there's also, though, another type of, of individual. So we call that that grieving style, um, that's an intuitive grieving style, people who grieve primarily through emotion. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, we've recognized now that there are also... Um, grievers that we call instrumental grievers. And those are folks who kind of think their way through grief and loss. And they their primary way of adapting is to think about things, to strategize. And I'm not saying that they won't ever feel. They certainly do. Um, but their coping or their adaptation is more related um, to the way that they think and, and behave.
0: Besides these two seemingly polar grieving styles, Lee stated that in fact, most of us are blended with just a bit more linear toward one of the styles.
1: Most of us are blended grievers and we have aspects of both of those kinds of, of strategies. Um, but the idea is that probably just as in our everyday life, some people may be more feeling and others may be more logical. Um, Why would we grieve any differently? And and so that's kind of what adaptive grieving styles is about is that it's not right or wrong to be an intuitive or an instrumental griever. It's just important to know that that's what we need. Um, So it's not helpful to tell an intuitive griever, someone who really needs to emote or to feel and share, it's not helpful to tell them to stop that because when you tell them to stop that, that interrupts their natural, their natural experience and expression and that gets them stuck. In the same way, it's not helpful to tell an instrumental griever, someone who grieves more in, in thinking and, and in doing, it's not helpful to tell them, you know, why, why aren't you crying? Why aren't you sad? Why, why are you bottling up your emotions? Because for them, they're not. They're experiencing and expressing their emotions in a different way.
0: Yeah, I think that it's easy for sometimes the society might think that if you're not crying, like for example, um, if you're not crying during a funeral, you're like cold hearted, you don't care about this person, but it might be they are just an instrumental like griever and they just have a different, a more linear to like the instrumental style of it but the society does not like re- like recognize that. Besides the lack of knowledge on the grieving styles, I also recognize that there are gender stereotyping on how one should grieve. If you're a lady, you need to cry, you need to be emotional. If you're a man, you should not be like crying or anything else like that. But it's not really about the gender differences, but based on like their own styles and what they prefer. Society need to know that.
1: That's, a, that's an excellent question and observation because I, it is one of those things as a society, um, we don't do a good job of talking about it and we don't do a good job of normalizing feelings in general or normalizing difficult experiences or recognizing when people um, are going through something difficult. So I think in terms of, of regular education system, I, I think I hope that our school counselors can maybe help with this, but I, I think that it is important to, um, to introduce curriculum or or even just conversations within classes about, um, about emotion, about thoughts. Um, I mentioned at the beginning this idea of creating relationships with students than with one another, in which you have a sense of safety in talking about things that maybe be going on in your life that aren't related to school, um, and, and provide space for, for those conversations to take place. Cause I think we need to begin to normalize that people grieve to normalize that we all experience losses. And, you know, I think maybe the worst thing is, um, to be going through something and to not have any idea what's happening because when you are experiencing full-on grief, it's you feel crazy. You feel out of control sometimes. And for someone to not know that that's normal and that's natural, that could be really damaging. Um, so, so just, I think sharing our personhood with one another, and that means not just the good things, but the times when we're struggling so that we can normalize the struggle for others and also normalize the fact that we can move through and adapt to our struggles, I think is really important as well.
0: As Liz brought up the importance of building relationship, I wonder what would be a better way to make this type of connection, as I noticed the overwhelmed workload plays on our school counselor.
1: Well, you are... Um, You are striking at the heart of a major debate within my profession right now. And and so school counselors, this is a huge thing that school counselors really don't get to counsel anymore. They are writing letters of recommendation. They're scheduling students. They're doing all these things that really aren't counseling, um, even though they're trained to do counseling. Um, And so there's a, um movement and there has been for a long time to either change job descriptions of what school counselors actually do or to bring in mental health counselors or other types of counselors to come in and provide those counseling services so um where i live um in the boise idaho area there's just recently been a um a trial with some of that in terms of uh, a trial period where they have brought in counselors into the school system to look at how efficient or effective that is versus relying on the school counselors who are completely overburdened. Um, So I'm getting on a soapbox that (laughs) probably is not really what you're getting at. I mean, I I do think that, um, and I don't know that it has to be a counselor, but I do think people, who are trained in grief and loss, and certainly, um, you know, I, I'm a counselor, so I um, promote counseling. Um, but I do think, I think that overall, our society and our systems have to begin to recognize um, that, again, relationships, emotions. These kinds of things are important and they're part of a holistic education that that our kids need.
0: Liz mentioned that one serious problem that is caused by this lack of help is the high suicide rate over the United States.
1: Our, you know, across the nation, suicide rates are so high and I have to think that a lot of that has to do with that lack of access that you're talking about to help and to understanding that a lot of things that they're experiencing are are normal, they're hard, they don't feel good, and um, and and they they happen to all of us, um, and so helping them to recognize how to adapt to whatever's happening is important. But when folks are left alone without that type of understanding or education, they have to feel so lonely and hopeless and isolated and not, and thinking that there's something deeply wrong with them, when in fact, um, you know, they're probably facing situations that, that others have faced before.
0: After having a sense of what Liz does in the field of counseling, I would like to know what is the greatest challenge she has to face from her research and has she overcome it?
1: <laughs> Still fighting that fight. Um, I think what I'll choose to answer instead is just really specific and maybe self-serving, maybe even a little pathetic, but but the, the big, one of the biggest challenges that, that I've faced is really just bringing awareness to grief and loss. And I guess this is, I guess this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, but even within the field of counseling, I mean, one of those articles that you read um, mentions that our accrediting body, um, K-CREP, our accreditation standards, not one of them refers to grief and loss specifically, despite the fact that everyone on the planet is going to experience grief and loss. So shouldn't we, be training our counselors to deal with it, you know? Um, and so within, within my profession, there's a lot of outdated and incorrect information that even counselors are using. Um, and so my biggest challenge is to bring about awareness of the new research of the new literature, um, to folks who are still using kubler rosss five stages of grief, which have been shown to be totally outdated and can even do harm to people at times. Um, but counselors and certainly the general public don't know that. Um, I watched some TV show the other day and they were talking about the five stages of grief. And I'm like, no, there aren't five stages of grief. We figured this out a long time ago. So my biggest challenge is overcoming the old knowledge and bringing awareness to the new.
0: When Liz mentioned that sometimes the media is providing the outdated information, we can be misleading and harmful for the public. I'm interested to hear more about her opinion on using art and media to tackle the challenge that she mentions, the difficulty to raise awareness.
1: So I love the idea of using media and the arts. I, I love that. And you're highlighting an issue is that, but they got to do it right. You know, um, you don't want to, you don't want to perpetuate again, some of these older theories or older ways of conceptualizing grief and loss. I, I love the idea. And I think that, and um, honestly, I think that's one of the best ways that, Um, grief and loss can begin to permeate our society because we spend so much time uh, either on social media or watching media um, or, you know, we are a uh, popular culture is huge within our culture. And so being able to, um, to get some of those concepts out there would be, that would be a wonderful way to do it. It's just more frequently than not, I'm still seeing the five stages of grief and things that just aren't relevant anymore.
0: If you find today's episode interesting, you should definitely stay tuned for our next episode. In our next episode, we will continue our discussion with Liz topics related to current grief and loss counseling, especially during the pandemic and the need of counseling for medical workers. Subscribe to our podcast and check out our website, MomentumMauriDeath.org. Thanks again. I will see you next time. Momentum Mori. remember that you will die someday.